Hello, and welcome to Staying In with me, Jan Powell. In this podcast, I'm going to be exploring the different and sometimes thought-provoking ways people are coping during this COVID-19 lockdown. Of the 5.5 billion people in the world, around one-third are in some sort of confinement, and that means staying at home because of the pandemic. I'm talking to a few of them in very different localities, from Paris to Penzance, Istanbul to India, to find out what they're experiencing, the local rules, the frustrations, the highs and lows, and what, if anything, we all have in common. Today I'm talking to Sitara Jabin, who's spending her lockdown in Istanbul. I first met Sitara in Peshawar in northwest Pakistan. We were both working for the International Red Cross, otherwise known as the ICRC. And Sitara was showing me around a field hospital for casualties of the conflict on the Pakistan-Afghan border, which was going on between the Taliban and national forces. We spent a week together in quite stressful circumstances, and we got to know each other pretty quickly. Sitara is both incredibly welcoming and incredibly tough. She was the first girl from her home village to go on to further education, training to be a journalist, and then working for the International Red Cross. And breaking with local culture, she decided to leave home and live independently, working first in Iraq and then moving to Geneva, where we met up again. Today, Sitara is a video producer for TRT, Turkish National Television, and I knew she'd be great at sharing insights into what it's like to live life under lockdown during the month of Ramadan in the city of Istanbul. Hi, Sitara. Hi, Jane. How long is it since we've seen each other? It's been so long, I, I can't even remember. At least three years, you know, since I left Switzerland. And we met in Peshawar. I remember that so vividly. I'd come to film and you were I the was comm the, officer, yes. the communications officer for ICRC, weren't you? And uh, yes. you showed me around that, what was that? Yeah, your home city, basically. Yeah, my home city. And it was the field hospital that, uh, that the ICRC had built in Peshawar at the time. This was back in 2009. You know, it was a very long time ago. <laughs> and now you're in Istanbul. How are you doing? Can you describe where you are and, and what you can see? Yeah, I'm on the European side. I have a beautiful apartment with great views of the of the sea. Uh, you know, I, I get to see a bit of the Bosphorus and the Marmara and all that. So it's it's amazing. Um, and it's I think it's the absolute blessing, especially these days because of the lockdown, um, you know, we can't go out and it's been more than two months that we are stuck at home. So if I did not have these amazing views on the 10th floor, <laughs> I think I would go crazy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love it. And, um, you know, you get to see lots of hills around where Istanbul is a very hilly city. You know, it's, they call it the city of seven hills. And I'm lucky to be um, on the high point where I get to see the city quite a bit. Uh, but it's the weekend, so they impose a curfew over the weekends. So it's all the streets are quiet right now. The weather is amazing. It's springtime in Istanbul, which is normally so beautiful, you know, because they um, I've been here three years and every springtime they have festivals like, 
tulip festival and I don't know what, like all sorts of spring festivals and the coffee festival and pizza festival. And, all and you're of missing all that. I, mean, I, I remember all that. I remember Istanbul being a really humming city. I mean, busy and um, the covered market full of people and down by the Bosphorus and always mm-hmm. in the evenings, people out strolling. Yeah. I mean, what, is it, what does it feel like now when you go out? It's so strange. You know, it's not like the same place anymore. It's so quiet. Um, you know, when, when there is relaxation in the curfew, then, of course, you know, people get out to get things done and they're like buying vegetables on the street and all that. But uh, it's nothing like uh, the city as I've known it for three years now. You know, it's so strange. It's just like um, it's still beautiful. It's gorgeous. And that's the one thing about Istanbul. You know, one of my friends used to say that if there was a Miss World competition among all the cities in the world, Istanbul would be the Miss World city because this city is absolutely (laughs) beautiful. This is the fifth country um, that I'm living in outside of Pakistan where I am from. So uh, for me, Istanbul is the only city where you have the sea and the mountains and it snows here at the same time and the summer can be really hot. And it's like, you know, um, three years and I'm still discovering um, the city in the sense that there's always something new. Like it's a, it's a melting pot of all the cultures and civilizations that have been here. So you're in lockdown. Um, so, so what are the particular rules? I mean, yeah, obviously you, you can't go out, but how strict are the authorities and, and how does the curfew work? Are there any sort of particular things about it that are difficult? Yeah, for the curfew, um, you are not allowed to go out at all unless there is an emergency. Um, and, they usually, and when does that apply? It applies over the weekends, you know, normally from Friday to Monday. I mean, they relax it on Monday morning. Uh, so you have like like a long weekend curfew, Friday to Sunday. And then um, what happens during the curfew is that uh, you cannot go out unless you have the authorization uh, from the government. You know, some essential services and uh, people who are still working, they have been issued um, the, the documents that they need to go out. So if you step out of the house, there would be a, uh, there would be a policeman somewhere and you have to show uh, the paper and explain why you're going out. Otherwise, you're not allowed. And they still have, uh, I mean, even during the curfew days, places, some places are still accessible from home. Like you can get, you can get essential stuff delivered at home if you want. Um, like pharmacies are open and, um, or you can get water or bread, you know, some essential uh, supplies like that. Uh, that is still possible. But otherwise, nobody is allowed outside. Uh, it's also the month of Ramadan. So does that make it? easier or harder combining lockdown and Ramadan? I mean, fasting all day isn't easy at the best of time. I mean, I guess that's the point. But how do you cope with that? Well, you know what? It's the first time in my whole life that I have a Ramadan like this. Um, usually, you know, as my one of my friends, she, she put it, you know, this famous movie, Eat, Pray, Love. When Ramadan comes, it becomes eat, pray, eat for Muslims in most countries. You know? <laughs> so it's uh, the whole day. So you're not eating the whole day, but then people go crazy uh, when, they, when they break the fast. So it's like there's always food. And Ramadan is all about, you know, inviting people, sharing meals, um, sharing stuff with your neighbors and everything. And back in Pakistan, it was for us. It was like you cannot um, cook a meal if you're not sharing it with the neighbors. So it's it's almost like you know like cooking for the entire neighborhood, pretty much for most <laughs> families, which is crazy. And um, and Turkey is not very different from Pakistan when it comes to Ramadan. So the the past Ramadan I have spent here, it felt very much like Pakistan 
you know, people are out on the street in the evening um, or through the night and you could just join anyone anywhere and people just love sharing. So you just, it's like an open picnic everywhere outside the mosque, by the, by the sea or even, you know, anywhere. Like there can be like a small space, all the parks um, uh, outside. So in a way, I think I personally, I am enjoying it. I think it's, it's something that I felt that I needed because for me, I always get exhausted in Ramadan, not so much from fasting, but from all these crowds around you all the time, then you get invited and then you invite people and there's so much work, you know, a lot of, so much cooking and cleaning afterwards. Sounds fun, actually. It sounds, yeah. it sounds quite good fun. I mean, at the moment, that's exactly what I want. That's what I need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to sort of be out and about and with people. But yeah. it must bring it home to you very sharply, this contrast that you cannot do that at the time yeah. of the year when normally this uh-huh. would be um, the pattern of your life. So do you manage to do it through Zoom and all the other the yeah, platforms exactly. that we have? Do you, yeah, do yeah. you talk to people at the end of the day? Do you, when, when you, yeah, when you yeah, absolutely. the fast, do you do it together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even during the day, uh, because the thing is that I think uh, it's in a way it's actually easier for a lot of people to spend Ramadan at home. Uh, for me, I always found it hard, you know, going to work when I'm fasting, <laughs> because um, the thing is that the Ramadan routine is very different. You, um, those who wake up uh, for the for the morning meal, it's like really early in the morning and some people don't do that, some do. But at the end of the day, if you're fasting, if you're not eating and not even drinking water, you don't have that much energy. So staying home um, actually during the day, it helps. And still it's, I mean, we're working from home. So uh, so we're still working, which keeps us engaged and busy through the day. There is, uh, But these days there are so many digital interactions, like even private conversations. It's insane, you know, you switch know. from WhatsApp to Zoom to yeah, Skype it's to whatever. It's, yeah. I don't know. I, it's just too much. Yeah. And I think people also have time um, more than ever before these days. So people who haven't called me in 10 years <laughs> suddenly think of me and they want to have a call, which is great. I love it. But it's just that some days it can be so um, exhausting because it just goes back to back and it doesn't stop. Your job is creating films and content and telling stories for TRT, um, Turkey's national TV station, right? So, So how does that work during this lockdown? How can you find uh, new material, go out and speak to people, go out and explore, go out and discover what's going on when you're in lockdown? I mean, how does that work? Yeah, it's this is we are discovering new ways of working for ourselves as well. But you know, we are lucky because we produce content for digital platforms, and the advantage is that it doesn't have to be very long. Like it doesn't have to be a thirty-minute documentary every week. Or and I love it. But the problem these days is that you know there is like we don't have our um, uh, we don't have staff deployed anywhere. Uh, nobody is filming uh, out there and sending us content, or we are not out there. I mean, just before this lockdown, I was in Pakistan filming um, a bunch of videos that we did and then we came back and when the lockdown started we didn't feel it so much initially because we had so much content that we had to edit and you know all the post-production had to be done so we were busy with that but now what we do is that we just um, rely on our network and through our content contacts we ask people to film stuff on their phone and then send us the clips and then we edit it here and uh, produce 
whatever we can uh, which is which is great um, but it has its challenges because not everybody is camera savvy not everybody is an expert in you know filming like for a, a professional platform let's say so have you found any good stories is everybody covid obsessed are they all kind of completely- people are so covid obsessed that and i don't even know i mean i it's understandable i i totally agree the world has stopped or all the other issues that we had in the world before covid-19 have disappeared or they don't exist and i don't know but uh, but the way we find stories is through personal contacts and you know people uh, or and even it's it's a bit like head hunting as well so you see somebody who um is on social media talking about something interesting uh, the other day my colleague filmed the story of a priest in kenya in nairobi who um cannot do the normal services of the church and um so it was like okay let's let's talk to him and see uh, what it's like for the communities who don't have these services anymore and how do they do in this time there was so much going on in the world um before this pandemic hit and yeah. it's as if an, an awful lot of stories have dropped off the radar i mean mm-hmm. You know, at the beginning of this back in March, Turkey was seeing a big arrival of refugees from Syria. Yeah. Um and then at a certain point they were being encouraged, I think, if I got it right, to leave Turkey, go across the border to Greece. Yeah. And then some of them <clears throat> came back, some of them mm-hmm. went. Um and what happened to them because there's just been nothing about that in the news since. I mean, yeah. how are how are the refugees that that Turkey was was coping with? I mean, there were there were hundreds of thousands how are they well, what's happened there millions of refugees in turkey i mean you know before this crisis there were about 3 million refugees in turkey and um they're still here and the problem is that you know with the lockdown and everything a lot of the ngos um that were working i don't know some cannot work anymore it reminds me of pakistan in many ways um because when it comes to refugees like in pakistan especially in peshawar i grew up with the um, millions of afghan refugees and uh, what i remember from that time is that how it was always the people who were helping out uh, the refugees you know more than the government and here although uh, there have been i mean it's turkey is much more effective than pakistan in uh, in that sense for example here uh, you know schools are free and refugee children are um free to join the school if they want of course language is an issue but then you know kids pick up on the language and uh, at least they can still go to school which was not the case back in pakistan uh, back in the 80s so in that sense um, but their schools have stopped now and the state level intervention has always been there and, I, and that actually still goes on because it's not just for the refugees but also for all the other services that they provide so that still happens like you have been in istanbul before you would know that this is a city where we say that the city actually belongs to cats because there are so many cats <laughs> still cats yes they are still this cats. is the city oh, honestly oh yes. i think that the real owners of istanbul are the cats and dogs on the streets and um and you know even in this pandemic the the municipalities the local municipalities have been uh, because before people were feeding them i mean it's so typical in istanbul you you just walk anywhere and you'd see outside pretty much every house has a has a small um, cat house and there is like people f- put food out for dogs and cats and um but none of that is happening because especially in the markets you know um so the municipality is out there feeding those um, stray animals everywhere so uh, in that's in the feeding same, them yeah 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 See, i th- i thought you were going to say 
they're rounding them up because no. all these cats and dogs are no, starving no, no. because the markets no. aren't functioning so there's no food for no, them. No, 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 they do. From yeah. the beginning actually. This is one of the first things because you know when they impose the lockdown so people are not out in the street anymore uh, the municipalities actually started feeding because otherwise these animals I don't know what would happen with them. So it's in the same way I think the, the state uh, authorities have stepped up quite a bit even in days when, it, when there is no curfew uh, if uh, people who are over the age of 65 or people who are immunocompromised for some reason or have other uh, chronic illnesses um, this is uh, a total curfew for them all the time like they're they're not allowed at all to go out so what they do is that the the state authorities uh, the the municipalities local governments they take their pension and stuff and they deliver it in cash to uh, to old people and uh, they even bring their groceries like police is doing groceries for people uh, old people especially Oh, wow, so, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. A, that sounds pretty organized. Well, if they're feeding the cats and dogs, yes, yes. they're actually providing proper Yeah, so it's the same thing with the refugees as well. I mean, all those who, um, you know, who don't have that support anymore, uh, they, they have actually made an effort to, to take care of them. I'm just getting to the end of the eighth week of lockdown here in mm-hmm. France, and uh, everything's going to free up a little bit. Um, on Monday. Mm-hmm. I am counting the days. Um, I can't wait. But uh, I can see that, you know, my own feelings throughout this lockdown have changed yeah. from the beginning to the middle of it until now. I can see that my whole my whole sort of, my whole way of reacting to it has changed. Exactly. What about you? Have you seen a kind of a, a journey, as they say? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know a journey, but I mean, like my experience is not so sophisticated and organized. But I think, um, I mean, you know, like everybody, like you get the time to think about stuff that you never had time for. Uh, So I personally um, started uh, taking an online course in screenwriting because doing documentaries, I'm more and more into stories. And uh, so that's my new, let's say, hobby you know to um and i it sounds better it sounds better than knitting or you know yes yeah i mean if i was in pakistan probably i would be stitching uh no i would have become a seamstress by now making dresses (laughs) but but yeah i've suddenly discovered a new interest in in baking i've never cooked a loaf of bread in my life and i and i've uh i've put it in the oven this morning and it's um yeah, it's it's new. I mean, I'm here at home. I wish I could invite a big family around to come and eat it, but at least you know, it, I should be getting in practice. Exactly <laughs> the same thing for. I mean, before because Turkish food is so good, and because it is so easily accessible all the time, um, I didn't cook a lot, you know, before this, and now I've been forced to cook because. Uh, because it's Ramadan, and so some restaurants, although most places are still open, you know, they they can deliver food. When I tell my family that, oh, today I made this and today I made that, and and I baked bread after I don't know how many years, Jen. I can't even remember. I actually learned baking when I was in Iraq, when I was working with the ICRC, and uh, and we were in Iraq, and it was pretty much the same situation that we were always locked at home, uh, and we were living in bunkers. So that's when I learned to bake. And now I've gone back to it. Um, like sometimes I still don't do it much, but at least you know, like I bake, I bake bread for myself. I think there's practice. something. I, I think there's something quite satisfying about it because yes. it's um, it takes up a lot of your headspace when you're when you're working on this making this dough and then letting it rise and then exactly. you know waiting till it's risen and then and then. Mm-hmm 
beating it down again, letting it rise again. There is something very kind of calming about it, actually, because it really does absorb your mind, but you can't, you haven't got space for anything else in there. Totally. And then you have this beautiful thing, got this beautiful thing that you've created and and it gives you that sense of satisfaction. And I haven't done that, well, I don't think I've ever I have never baked bread until this period. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that is so true. But, you know, for me, the problem is that I can only cook desi food. Um, Bread's not lazy. Bread's no, not lazy. No, but desi food is, it's a lot of work, Jen. It's not simple as, you know, like you just throw something in the oven and then it's done. Uh, like desi yeah, food is a lot time. of We have time. We have time Now I enjoy it. But before with my routine and everything else, you know, I have to go to the gym, I have to work, I blah, 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 blah. It felt like an extra chore to do. Uh, but now I enjoy it because it's more like unwinding and it's just, you know, and you can just... Like everyone, um, I've been thinking about all the things I've missed or I'm looking forward to when, when all this is over. Um, you know, apart from seeing family and friends and, you know, yeah. giving them a big hug. I mean, that that closeness to people, yeah. that I think we all miss. What are, you, what are you looking forward to doing most? I mean, trivial, really sort of silly, and then maybe something a bit more serious. Yes, I am waiting for my favorite coffee shops to open. And what I miss the most is my Turkish breakfast, uh, which, you know, there is uh, just where I live. um, If you walk down uh, 30 minutes, you would be um, on this uh, street, which is called the Breakfast Street. And uh, it it used to be so lovely. We used to have brunch, you know, me and my friends every now and then. And uh, there's a whole row of uh, small Turkish restaurants um, that do uh, great, mm. you know, Turkish breakfast is famous uh, with Turkish chai. And um, and what uh, what I like the most is uh, it's called gozleme, which is which is like I don't, if you know, do you know paratha? Like the way we have yes, yeah, yeah, the sort of so it's puffy, like paratha, but it's pastry. stuffed. Mm. Mm. Exactly. It's like flatbread, uh, but it's stuffed with uh, all sorts of things like it could be potatoes or cheese or spinach or anything. Um, so we used to have um, that gozleme and that traditional Turkish breakfast. I miss it so much. I don't know when am I going to get that. Oh. I can still get it at home. I mean, they, they deliver if I want, but it's not the same, you know, like the ambience of... Uh, no, um, it's not the same. The, I, yeah, it's... and drinking chai by the Bosphorus. Is, I miss it so much. I know it's like I, I just miss being down in the square of my little town here and or in the morning having a coffee and a croissant it's very similar just just yeah. and watching people people going exactly. by people doing the things they do just the, yeah. the place being busy that's I miss that too um, oh. yeah Sitara it's been great talking to you this will all be over and we'll be able to get back to our various breakfasts you and you in Istanbul me here in Devon yeah thank you so much for talking today Thank you so much, Jen. It's always lovely talking to you. That was Staying In with me, Jan Powell. Thank you for listening if you've made it this far. It's been a family affair. A big thank you goes to Hugo Powell for his music, audio production and patience. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please do share and subscribe. The next one will be along very soon.